Okay, I'm so honored to be able to preach from this chapter 25, Jesus, the Son of God. I got to read it several times and think about it and contemplate things in it, and I was so blessed. So I'm going to uh, stick to this chapter in uh, sharing a few of the little vignettes, little scenarios from that chapter. There's so much we can say about Jesus, but um, I'm going to stick to the chapter. So some of you have probably heard people say, I know I've heard it, Jesus was a very good moral teacher, taught on morality, but he wasn't God, because they don't want him to be God. But you know, you can't have those two things. They don't work. If he was a good moral teacher, then, uh, but not God, then he was a really big, crazy liar, a big, crazy, deluded liar, which he isn't, of course, because Jesus did so many things and said so many things that were God things, that only a God, our God, could say. A, a regular person couldn't say them or do them. So people need to not say that. He's a good moral teacher, but he's not God. Doesn't make any sense. You can't have both of those things. So here are some of the things he says in this particular chapter. They're walking along. He says to his disciples, who do people say that I am? And they say, oh, John the Baptist, the prophet, or Elijah. And he says, but who do you say that I am? And of course, Peter says, you are the Christ. You are the Messiah. And he says to him, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, because his name is Simon. Jesus called him Peter or the rock. Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. He constantly talked about his father. He constantly talked in spiritual revelation. My father has shown this to you. And he recognizes that, yes, he is the Christ. Here's another one. Whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him the Son of Man will also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of the Father with the holy angels. Regular people don't say sentences like that. My, I will be ashamed of him when I come in the glory of the Father with the holy angels. He knows who he is. He is God. He says to the Pharisees constantly, you don't know him. You don't know the Father. But I know him, for I am from him, and he sent me. He constantly says, he sent me. I am sent from the Father. They couldn't stand that. They hated that he would say that stuff. They wanted to just see the man. Here is this man. We don't know why he's doing all these signs and wonders, but he's just this man. And he keeps talking like he knows God and he's sent from God, and we just hate that. Here's another one. He stood up at the last day of the Passover, the great day of the Passover, in the temple. Everyone's there. He said loudly, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. That is not a normal sentence for a regular person to say. That is a God sentence. Come to me. If you're thirsty, come to me and drink. He wants them to come and believe. He is their Messiah. Come to me. 
and out of their innermost being will flow rivers of living water. And I like us to remember that there are many things that we don't see in our natural mind. Just like if my phone were to ring and I answered it and talked to somebody in New Jersey, it'd be like, how can I be talking to this person? Well, because there's stuff in the air that we can't see. Or when we turn on our TV and we've got color and sound and motion, where, where's that coming from? Well, there's things in the air that we can't see. There's waves and stuff. And so use your spiritual imagination and realize constantly rivers of living water are going out from us. Living water, which is the Holy Spirit. When we're ministering in the Holy Spirit, rivers of living water are going forth. And they're real. And so when we're worshiping, can you imagine how beautiful it is in here? We can't see it, but try to see it. Try to see it. Here's another one. I am the light of the world. Who says a sentence like that? I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. He's holding it out over and over again. And so many people are believing him. And I just keep talking about the Pharisees, but they didn't want to. They didn't want him messing up their little system they had going. They had this power and this religious thing, but it wasn't alive. It wasn't real, and he was alive. To the Pharisees, he said, you are from beneath. I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. They just couldn't stand that, and he said it over and over to them. He is really... God, who is sent from the Father to come here. And also, this is one of the great ones. He's, there t he's saying to them, my Father honors me, this God that you think you know, but you don't know him. I know him, and he honors me. And your father, our father Abraham, your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he was glad. He saw it and was glad. And they're, of course, just totally mad, like, you're not even 50 years old, and you think you saw Abraham? And he said, most assuredly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. That's so powerful. You know, our language doesn't even contain it. That's such a weird sentence. Before Abraham was, I am. That's a Yahweh statement, I am that I am. And, of course, they picked up stones because they couldn't stand it. We're going to try to stone him, and he just moved through the crowd because he's Jesus. <laughs> but I love that. Before Abraham was, I am. Boy, they had nothing to answer to that. <laughs> okay, one of the stories, one of the scenarios in this chapter is the Mount of Transfiguration. Now, we'll have the scripture up here. One of the places is Mark 9, 2 through 10, but I'm just, I'm just going to talk. Um, he took Peter, James, and John to the top of a high mountain, and he was transformed before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as light. So there he is, this luminous, glorious, heavenly being right in front of them. He's not just the Jesus that they see. Here he is. And then Moses and Elijah show up and start talking to them, to him. I don't know how he knew they were Moses and they knew he was, they were Moses and Elijah. But they're talking to him. And we have to remember, even though they're in that glory, they're still like these disciples. He is the Lord of glory. And they are speaking to him of his death that he's going to accomplish. 
which is a great accomplishment and he knows he's going to do it. He is going to walk up that hill. He is going to die an agonizing death on the cross and he's gonna purchase, he's gonna change all of history. And he knows he's going to accomplish it and they're speaking about it, but they're not just all on the same level. He is the Lord and they are mentioning it's coming. This is the week, it's coming. And so Peter, you know, oh, hey, it's good we're up here. I'll build three tabernacles, one for you and Moses and, and Elijah, because <laughs> he's afraid. He doesn't know what to say. Good old Peter. While he's still speaking, this heavenly bright cloud overshadows them. It's not just some misty mountain fog. It is a spiritual cloud that overshadows them. And the voice of God says, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased, hear him, hear him, hear him. And they, of course, fall on their faces because they're <clears throat> greatly afraid. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Jesus uh, comes up to them, touches them. Don't be afraid. Get up. Don't be afraid. And it's all, all done. They just see him. He's just Jesus. And so they come back down the mountain. And he commands them, don't talk about this until after I rise from the dead. And so they keep it to themselves, wondering what does rise from the dead mean? This is a new thing. So here is this wonderful gift to these three men, Peter, uh, in Matthew 16, 18. And I also say to you that you are Peter, Cephas, the rock, because he was Simon. And upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not overpower it. And we need to remember this in these days in, our, in America, in our culture, our culture that is very hostile, which waves from the beginning. People are hostile to the truth of Jesus Christ. We need to realize the gates of hell will not overcome his church. Let's always remember it, will not be overcome. Even though we see this, is, we're gonna censor this, we're gonna censor that, we're gonna shut this, they will, it will not work. Okay, so Peter became the leader of the church in Jerusalem. He was the leader. Uh, it was a new church. It was the beginning of a new age. And uh, he was given this gift of seeing Jesus in, in, in a kind of glory. I mean, there's so much more glory that we couldn't even behold it. But that was a gift to him. And later, he dies a martyr's death in Rome. He's an old man. He was crucified upside down. He, he did not feel worthy to be crucified like the Lord. So those were some hard moments for him before he moved on to heaven. But he, he had seen this beautiful gift of a heavenly Jesus. Um, James, James and John are brothers. James became the first apostle to be martyred. Stephen was the first martyr. But James was the first martyr uh, of the apostles. Herod had him killed by the sword, probably beheaded like John the Baptist. So this was, he had this special gift of seeing Jesus. And of course, John, his brother, wrote the book of John, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, and the book of Revelation, which is a very heavenly book, very heavenly revelation. And the, he had seen this heavenly vision. So awesome. They were given this gift that they saw. He's not just a man. He is heavenly. He is heavenly God. He is awesome. Okay, cool. Mount of Transfiguration. Another one, the resurrection of Lazarus. That's in this chapter. So Mary and Martha and Lazarus are sisters and brother. 
He becomes sick, deathly ill. He actually dies. But they send a message to Jesus, the one who you love is sick. And it says in John 11:4, when Jesus heard that, he said, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of Man may be glorified through it. He knows he's going to do an outstanding miracle. So even though Lazarus does die, Jesus knows he's not staying there, not right now. Um, so he stays away for a while. And then John 11, 11, he says after that, he said to them, our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may wake him up. So they're, he's so mysterious. They, they don't always get what Jesus is about. So they say, well, if he's asleep, he'll wake up, you know. And <laughs> verse 14 and 15, then Jesus said to them, Lazarus is dead, plain and simple. And I am glad for your sakes that I was not there, that you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go to him. So they head over there. It's been four days. Uh, Mary and Martha are grieving, weeping with all of these Jewish people surrounding them, which was their culture. They'd come and cry out loud and be with them. And this is their beloved brother. They're, this has only been four days. They're sad. And so Jesus comes close with his disciples, and someone lets Martha know the rabbi's here, the Lord is here, and she goes, falls before him and says, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And he says, he will rise. And she says, I know he will rise at the resurrection in the last day. And he says to Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. He says this marvelous statement, I am the resurrection and the life to Martha his friend Martha, one of the greatest statements of theological truth to Martha, so beautiful. And he who, uh, let's see, he who believes in me though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? He wants her to get her faith raised up. Do you believe this? And she says, yes, Lord. And I know that you are the Christ, the one who is coming into the world. And so then pretty soon he asks for Mary. Go get Mary. Someone go get Mary. And I just love that. It would be like, go get Kathy. Someone go get that, two Kathys. Go get John. Go get John. Let them know I'm calling them. So they can come and say, Kathy, the Lord is calling you. He said it to Mary, this sweet just girl, lady, get Mary. And so that's so sweet. We can say each one of us can put our name in there. He's calling you. Come to me. Come to me. Susan, come to me. And so she gets up, and they all like, oh, she's going to go to the tomb. Well, let's all go with her. So this whole crowd goes with her. And she falls before him and says, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. And she's weeping, and she's heartbroken. And he's tenderhearted. He picks up on it. It says he groaned in his spirit. And he wept. But he says, where have you laid him? OK, come and see. So they go over there. And he says, roll the stone away. And Martha's like, oh, Lord, it's been four days. There will be a very bad smell. 
And uh, he says to her, did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? He wants her to believe. Now, come on, let's believe. And so, you know, if you know anything about decomposition, as soon as life is gone, the cells, everything stops, and immediately we begin to deteriorate because we're not there anymore. Or if it's an animal, they're not there anymore. And uh, rotting flesh is a bad thing. It's, it's degraded, it's bad. And so he's been in there four days. <laughs> so this is an outstanding miracle he's about to do. So they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, thank you that you have heard me. I'm wondering if Jesus might have prayed for an outstanding miracle at the end. He's almost at the end of his life. I don't know. But thank you that you have heard me. And then he says, and I know that you always hear me. But because of the people who are standing by, I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. He wants them to know, I really am your Messiah. Now when he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And we all know that he needed to say Lazarus, right? If he had just said, come forth, how many people would have walked out of their tomb? Woo! Because he's like the resurrection and the life. So he said, Lazarus. And he who had died came out, bound hand and foot with grave clothes. His face was wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, loose him and let him go. Just outstanding. Just outstanding. I mean, he must have been like, He's like a true, like, mummy, right? <laughs> Somebody get this stuff off of me. And so he's alive again. He's alive again. Now, all these people that watched it happen went and told everybody, I was there. I saw it. We saw him dead. We saw him wrapped up in grave clothes. We saw him put in that cave. We saw the rock clothes. And Jesus opened up the cave, and he walked out after four days. And some of them went and told the Pharisees, and they got mad. Oh, oh, he drives us crazy. Oh, and so they held a council. Look what he's doing. Everyone's going after him. We want him dead. Remember that show, uh, The Untouchables? Remember, uh, what's his name? But what's, who's the guy? No. Al Capone. I want him dead. I want his family dead. Anyway, <laughs> I want his house burned down. I always think about that. So that's pretty much what they said. We want him dead. And they really basically wanted Lazarus dead too because he is a walking sign and a wonder. Oh, my goodness. We're going to talk a little bit about that again, teeny bit. Another story in this story um, the, chi the children, you love children, I love children. They are noisy, they are disobedient, they are messy, they are tiresome, but they're so delightful. <laughs> All those things. Sometimes we go home from being with the grandkids like, <laughs> we're so tired now, but we love them, they're delightful. And here they, you know, the disciples constantly do the wrong thing, they just don't know. And so here's this rabbi, wonderful Jesus, and people are bringing children for him to bless them. Oh, no. Oh, get those kids out of here. And Jesus, I love that it says he's greatly displeased. Don't you love that? Not a little bit displeased, but great. Like, stop. No, you guys stop. 
Not them. You stop it. Let the children come to me. Don't forbid them. Because of such is the kingdom of heaven. And this is marvelous that he says, Assuredly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter it. That's actually a very serious statement. So what are children like? They are trusting, they're open, they have delight. After a while in our lives, we build up walls, some of us, because we've been hurt. We've got all these walls, this whole system of keep you out, keep you out, keep this out, control this, control that. Tiresome, exhausting. <laughs> also, it says he took him in his arms, laid his hands on them, and blessed them. So awesome. But anyway, if you sense in your life that you're a person with walls, keeping this out, keeping that out, controlling this, because of hurt, will you ask the Lord, please help me to bring those walls down? I need to not do that. I need to be childlike. I need to be open. I need to have delight. I need to love you so much, God, and delight in you and trust you. I don't want to be controlling everything. It makes me tired, and it just keeps really good things away from me. So ask him. He will help you. Sometimes it feels really scary. I don't want my walls to come down, but ask him. When's this service over? I have 10 minutes. Why does that? I don't get that. Oh, that's what it is. Okay, I get it now. Okay, the last part is the triumphal entry, uh, triumphal entry into Jerusalem and the cleansing of the temple. We'll, get, we'll do it. So Luke 19, um, as they were drawing, uh, 37 through 40, as they were drawing near to the descent of Mount Olives, the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees called out to him and from the crowd and said, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. They're so mad when, when people, when he acts like God, you know. And he says, You know, I tell you, if these should be silent, the stones would immediately cry out. He knows who he is. Zechariah 9.9 prophesies, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king comes, victorious and righteous, humble, riding on a donkey, on the colt of a donkey. And this is that moment. He, he knows he's the king. He is fulfilling that scripture. He's riding on a donkey, and they are shouting. It's exactly what it says in Zechariah. And he is the rightful king. And if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. It's so great. Uh, uh, John 12, 17 through 19 says, Therefore the people who were with him when he called Lazarus out of his tomb and raised him from the dead bore witness. They went and told everybody. Remember that? I was there. I saw it. I saw it. And uh, for this reason, the people also met him because they had heard that he had done this amazing sign. The Pharisees therefore said among themselves, you see that you are accomplishing nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. They consistently miss it. People were believing in him. People recognized this is the Messiah. And some of the priests 
and scribes and Pharisees believed. There were some believers. And later in the book of Acts, there's some of them believe. But they got to the cross and like, yay, we got him. We finally got him. Powers of darkness, yay, we finally got him. Little did they know that within a few weeks, there's going to be thousands of them doing the same thing, preaching this gospel and healing the sick and raising the dead. All right, so he went to the temple, Matthew 21, 12 through 18. Uh, Jesus went into the temple and drove out all those who bought and sold in the temple, overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. He said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. If this had been America, and there's a bunch of people with their little booths, you know, and they're making money, and someone came in like, hey, you guys quit doing that, and turned over tables, I tell you, people would get up and say, I have every right to sell this, and I'm not going anywhere, and they'd probably want to beat him up, you know. But this is Jesus. He's walking in the authority of, as the king, and he cleanses the temple. He drives them out. Now, I don't believe he hit anybody with a little whip that he made. I think he just made some noise because I don't think he would have done that ever. But, like, get out of here. So the temple is cleansed. You know that the Pharisees are madder than, you know, bees in a bee's net. The heat, they're mad like, this is part of our system. This is what we like. Look, he just did that. And then it says, then the blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. So here he is again. He's always healing people. He's always doing these good things, even though we're so mad at him, and he just keeps being worse and worse. And so when the chief priests and scribes saw the wonderful things that he did and the children crying out in the temple saying, Hosanna to the son of David. This is a big moment. This is a, this is a good moment. And they were indignant and said to him, do you hear what these are saying? And he says, yes, have you never read out of the mouths of babes and nursing infants you have perfected praise? He's not intimidated by their grumpy unbelief. It's like this is a wonderful moment, and children are praising him and seeing him for who he is. So it's wonderful. Now, you guys know that we are the temple uh, 1 Corinthians 6.19 says we are the temple. We have been given the Holy Spirit from God. The temple is within us. I mean, we are walking around with the Holy Spirit within us. But Jesus here is just saying, let this be a house of prayer. Stop letting it be commerce. That's not what it's about. And I like that this building, you know, this building is a house of prayer. We are the temple of the Spirit. But... I, you know, good things every day happen in this building and lots and lots of prayer all week long every day. And on Sunday, all this worship and, you know, healing rooms and uh, the, um, what's the thing that Stacy does? What's it called? The burn. Wow, all this worship going on, hours and hours of it. Children learning about God, praying. So praise God that this building is a house of prayer. But we have God within us. So that is wonderful. Okay. Okay. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. There's so much more that could be said. Oh, God, so much more that could be said about you. But I thank you for this chapter and these words. And, and your marvelous wonder, and that you 
were very God, even though people were grumpy about it and did, in fact, kill you, but you accomplished it. You were going towards that, Lord Jesus. You accomplished it on the cross for us. A very, very agonizing death for us, Lord, and then resurrection life. So, Father, may we all be childlike, like the children that came to him and were embraced and loved. May we be like Mary, that you called her name and came to him, Lord. Thank you, God. We love you, Lord Jesus. Give us eyes to see you, like the song, Open the Eyes of My Heart. In Spanish, Abre mis ojos, Señor, yo quiero verte. I love that. Open my eyes, we want to see you. We pray that for each one of us. And thank you that even just today we saw you a little more clearly. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you, Brenda. I love how you retold that. The stories of Jesus, it makes us love Jesus even more than we already do in the Holy Spirit. Let's stand up. could be you're watching this program today and you, uh, you don't know Jesus in a personal way, but you want to. You've heard about him, now you want to. Yesterday I was talking to a man. I said, would you like to know for sure you're gonna, going, to, going to go to heaven when you die? And he said, yeah. I said, I can tell you in less than two minutes how you can know you're going to go to heaven. <laughs> tell me, he says. I'm going to tell you in less than one minute. There is a God and he loves you. You've messed up, and the wages of sin is death. God loves you so much, he solved that problem by sending his son Jesus to die as a substitute on the cross for you. Jesus opened blind eyes, deaf ears, walked on water, rose from the dead, but he also lived a perfectly righteous life. And he wants you to get into heaven on his perfectly righteous life instead of your life that's been marred by sin, which prevents you from getting to go to heaven. We've, we want to get in on Jesus' ticket, his life, not ours. And the way to receive this free gift, I told this guy just yesterday, a middle-aged guy at Safeway parking lot, and uh, it's just a call on him to save you. I said, just call on him to save you. The Bible says whoever calls on the name of Jesus will be saved. In your own way, just call on Jesus, out loud, like you mean it. And then text or call a friend that you respect that's a Jesus person, they'll help you to grow in your relationship with Jesus. Everybody at home, everybody watching TV, us on uh, Channel 11 and 11, all of us here today in New Song Sanctuary, don't you love Jesus more today because of this message? I know I do. Remember, Psalm 1 says, because you're planted by rivers of water, everything you're doing is prospering. And Psalm 91 promises no disaster is coming near your dwelling. Trust him, believe in him, know that he always loves you, and we love you too. God bless you as you go. Amen.